0: Welcome back to the podcast. Our theme at the Traders Point Church of Christ for the next four months is going to be Soldiers of Christ. So over the next few weeks, Jeremy and I are going to try to unpack what that means and why it's so important for the Christian to be prepared for battle. We'll also have some sermons on this topic throughout the next trimester, so be sure to watch for those as well. And as always, if you'd like more information about us, please visit our website at traderspointchurch.org. And you can also find us on Facebook and YouTube as well. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. We want to thank you for joining us again this week. Now, we're in the middle of a mini-series, if you will, In Ephesians chapter 6, this trimester, our theme at the Treasure Point Church of Christ is Soldiers of Christ. And so we've spent a few weeks now uh, looking at Ephesians chapter 6 and some of the imagery that Paul gives us in regards to what it means to be a soldier in God's army and how he is looking to equip us uh, for that battle that's taking place in the spiritual realm. So last week we covered verses 10 through 13, and the week prior, we began in verse 5 and went down through verse 9, and so if you missed any of those, feel free to, to hit pause on this episode and go back and, and listen to those so you're up to speed with where we are today. But just as a, a brief recap, Jeremy, why don't you kind of give us the Reader's Digest version, even though I know it's a very dated reference at this point, but give us a little brief summary of, of where we've been thus far, and, and so we're ready for our study today.
1: Well, if you're familiar with Ephesians chapter 6, or you've got your Bible open, you can easily see we're at the very end of this book. And, and so this really serves, even though it's a well-known passage, it serves as a conclusion in a lot of ways to this book. And, you know, it, it is a book that is writing to people that Paul is very familiar with. He, he's got a very good, close relationship with them. And he's had a lot of really important things to say. And towards the end of the book, he's had a lot of very applicable things, specifically surrounding relationships that they have with each other, with other people, with their spouses, with their children, with their masters, with their servants. I mean, he's, he's covered a gambit of things. And, you know, he's painting a picture that, listen, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ— That will be against the way the world does things. It will look different. It will be different in a lot of ways. And at times that can be very difficult to stand against the world, to stand against culture, ultimately to stand against Satan. And and we paint a picture in our mind that I'm not equipped to do that, and we'd be right about that. I'm not equipped to do that. And the point that Paul is going to make is because I'm not equipped to do that and God loves us so incredibly much— He has equipped us, he's made it possible that not just that we can kind of withhold our space, but that we can stand against what Satan is, is bringing up against us. And no matter how powerful we may think Satan is, it simply does not compare with the power that God has. And so the very beginning of this that we talked a little bit about last week from verses 10 through 13 is here in this conclusion, and he begins with finally, it it is about standing. It is about being courageous. It is about being brave. It is about not cowering in the corner, but having victory over Satan. And all of that is accomplished only through God and only through the way in which he equips us.
0: You made mention of it last week, but one of those Bible study tricks is to look for words that are repeated in a small or short period of time. And and one of those words that you just mentioned is stand. And that's where verse 14 begins with that word stand. So listen to that. And again, look back if you missed last week. Go back and uh, listen to that discussion. We talked about that. But this word stand is very important in the context of what Paul is saying. So we're going to begin in verse number 14. I'll read down through verse 20, and then we'll begin our discussion on that. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, we, I think we referenced this last week a little bit as well. Paul is known for his long run-on sentences, and this is another one of those. And as such, it can make it a little bit difficult to read uh, just in the way that it's written. But this is such a powerful and important passage. It's one of those passages of Scripture that you know a lot of people have memorized. It's worked its way into songs um, over the years. And there's some very vivid imagery that Paul is using here to describe how God has equipped us. We talked a lot last week about the fact that God has equipped us to stand, to resist temptation, and to be victorious. And Paul is using some of that language now to give us the specific ways in which he is equipping us. And again, you you mentioned it in the recap, but I think it's important just as we begin that in verse number uh, 13, Paul's reminding us that we have to take on the whole armor of God if we want to be victorious. And so when we get into verse 14 and following, we have to remember that we don't get to pick and choose and still be victorious. He's asking us to take up the whole armor of God in order to be able to stand.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, I I continually... I am awed at God and his wisdom and power, as we read through Scripture, at how perfect the analogies are that are used. You you made mention of just how visual this is. I mean, how how many times have you read an analogy that's made about the Christian, which there are several, or the church? which there are several or the husband wife relationship with their you know which there are several right you read these analogies and every time you're like i mean that's the most perfect analogy <laughs> of, of ever, ever right i mean that's what this is here it is very visual even though this was written for us so long ago Uh, We understand what a soldier is. We still have soldiers. Uh, God certainly knew that that was going to be the case. It's an analogy that lives on forever and ever. And and so it's it's something that resonates with everybody. We understand it. We can visualize it. We can see it. It it is a perfect analogy. And and you made the point that is really important, that really a couple of times, once in verse 11 and again in verse 13, we are reminded it's going to take all of you. You've got to put all of this on. If not, you're not prepared. If you live leave a piece off, you're not prepared. And now, again, visually, we understand that. Taking the names of things away, if I'm going out to battle and I put on my helmet and I put on my shoes and I put on my, uh, my girdle and I put on uh, or I'm carrying my shield and I'm carrying my sword, but I'm just like, I don't want to put that breastplate on. That just is heavy. Well, we would we understand how ridiculous that is, right? With the the arrows that would come, or the you know the swords that would be going, not to cover our most vital organs. We would understand what well, that that would why would I put all of that on and not leave off? It's it's foolishness, mm-hmm. and so we have to take that same understanding. That's what makes the analogy so perfect. Mm-hmm. You, you take that same understanding. It's foolishness for a soldier to leave off something, not to put your helmet on, or not to put your shoes on, or not to carry your shield or your sword. Well, that's foolishness. They would never, ever, in a million years, ever do that. And so you have to take that understanding and apply it here, and you really start to see the punch of a passage like this.
0: Yeah, when we think about a soldier, specifically, you know, a soldier during this time period, our soldiers today may look a little bit different than they did in this day and age. Although some of these things still have carried over, they just kind of have morphed a little bit into a more modern look. But I think you you hit the nail on the head. There there is a very specific purpose that each of these items serves. And each of these items is needed in order to be successful in battle. If you walked out onto a battlefield and you saw someone without a helmet, you now know the head is where I need to attack because that's the place that's vulnerable. Or if you walk out on the battlefield and you don't have a weapon, the, the soldier on the opposing side now knows you're vulnerable because you don't have a weapon. And, and so anytime we decide to leave off something like this, We now give our opponent an opportunity to attack wherever we may be vulnerable. And so God has equipped us so thoroughly in the way that he describes this so that we know we can be successful because this is what a successful soldier looks like. We can picture it in our head as we read through this passage of Scripture. This is what a soldier who wins looks like. They're not vulnerable. They're prepared. They're ready for battle. And that is the image of a victorious soldier, and that's exactly the image that Paul wants us to see when we read this passage. He wants us to read this and see victory, and he wants us to read this and be assured of victory. That's We talked about that a little bit last week, that there isn't any uncertainty in the way that Paul talks about this, that if we put on the whole armor of God, we are able to withstand. We will be victorious and so there is certainty in the victory that's being described here and that certainty comes from the fact that God has so fully equipped us
1: yeah i mean and you you then begin to kind of unwrap you know some of these things we've talked already at length about the importance of having all of you know these things you start to look at these things and and maybe you know our first gut instinct would be like well these are pretty basic things or these are pretty elementary things and I understand both of those words I like the word foundational much better. I mean, because they are, they are foundational yeah. things. I mean, you think about, you know, things, you know, like the truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation, the word of God. You are dealing with foundational things. And now if you have these foundational things on, then you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. And what I also like is... Every Christian can be equipped with these things, Mm -hmm. every single one. I mean, you start to think about other passages that are similar kind of feeling to this, maybe like Peter's passage that he writes when you start to think you've got to have all of these things where you're adding to your faith virtue. And, you know, you understand that we grow as we we gain knowledge and as we gain maturity. We are growing, and we're growing in those virtues that are placed upon that foundational principle of faith. Well, think about here— These are the foundational principles, Mm -hmm. where now everything is built off of that. But what Mm -hmm. I love is the Christian day one, day one, can equip himself with these things, can equip himself here. And, And so it really becomes that foundational thing that as a Christian, these things are on, and they are on all the time, and I'm able to put them on from the very Outset of my following of Christ. Yeah,
0: and you can you can easily see that if you think about what it what it means to become a Christian. If you don't understand truth, well, there there is no Christianity for you right. to be had. That you have to understand that that Christ is truth. He he brought the truth of the gospel into the world. If you don't understand righteousness and the fact that God makes you righteous through baptism and the removal of your sins. Then, then there is no Christianity for you. And this you can go down the list and you can see that, that in order for us to truly embrace what it means to be a Christian and to be adopted into the family of God, we have to understand these things. And so I think from a, just a very practical standpoint, when we're talking with people who maybe have little to no knowledge of the gospel and of Christ and of salvation— and this is a good list to start with. Great point. To, to work through them, work with them through these things to help them understand what is truth and what is righteousness and what is salvation and what is peace. And help them understand these foundational practices and elements. And that, that is a great place to start because it very quickly will equip people with the understanding of what it means to be a child of God's, and it will prepare them to take up their place in his army. And, and so I think this can be a very uh, evangelistic tool for us, as well as one, I think the crux of this is intended to provide comfort and confidence to the Christian, but I think from a, a practical standpoint, there is some evangelistic good that can be done by giving this list some consideration when we're studying with people.
1: Yeah, and it's something also that I believe can unite Christians in a lot of ways. I mean, you you study through the book of Ephesians. There's a lot about the church. There's a lot about unity that's made mention of. And and this is a way in which we can be united together, that regardless of time uh, that you've been a Christian— Mm-hmm. Every Christian is equipped this way. Yep. Every Christian is equipped with this. So I can look to the left, I can look to the right, and and I'm standing next to someone equipped in this way, and it's it's a way that unites us. and And I think even not to jump all the way to the end, we can talk about some of these things. But I think even in you know in 19 through 20, it, you have Paul, who is letting these people know. I think in you know applicable way for him specifically, he says, I've done that. Mm -hmm. I've equipped myself in that way, and because I've equipped myself in the same way that that you're asked to equip yourself, I'm able to be bold, even here in my chains, in this very difficult circumstance, because I have the whole armor on. I don't, I don't mind sharing the gospel. I'm not afraid of where I am. I can even have joy in the spot that I am. Why? Because he's got the whole armor on. And so I think he's using now himself as an example you know, to say, listen, I can be like Paul. I can, I can put the whole armor on. And when I have the whole armor on, you go back to what we talked about last week, now I've got the confidence that I can be victorious because I've got the whole armor on because it's a promise that God has made.
0: Yeah, and I think to look at that then from the opposite side of things, if you are ill-equipped or unprepared, that doesn't mean that uh, you can't then equip yourself, but it does mean that in that moment you are vulnerable because there are there are forces at play that are seeking to destroy you spiritually. And, and Satan and his influence in this world is perhaps stronger now than it's ever been before. And we cannot risk going out into this battle unprepared. And so it's important. You, you made mention of, of kind of looking to our left and looking to our right and realizing that we can kind of be in this together and we can be united in this. We can also serve as a, an accountability partner for one another, to To make sure that my brother or sister is fully equipped yep. and ready for the battle that they're going to confront every single day because every single day we are going to be engaged in this spiritual battle. And so that means every single day we have to be prepared and equipped for it. And so I hope that you make sure that I'm equipped and I can make sure that you're equipped and we can help one another out in that battle. We can work together together as fellow soldiers in this battle to make sure that we're ready for whatever's coming our way. And I think one of the things that kind of jumped out to me when you were talking just a moment ago about this list is, of course, one of these things we're being given is the shield of faith, which will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. That means that there are going to be attacks made on us and against us attacks that could take us down if we're not equipped. If you're if you're out in a battlefield and fiery darts are coming your way, you're really going to want a shield in right. that moment. And, and so we can see the the visual of these attacks that are going to be coming at us from these evil forces that are at play in this world. We have to be prepared every single day for this battle because there is no timeout. There is no hold on a second I'm not ready. Satan is going to be advancing or trying to on us every single day, and we have to be ready for these attacks. And I
1: think that's, you know, one of the points that's made here in this final section that, you know, of understanding not just the importance of being equipped, but the importance of understanding who our enemy is. That It is Satan. He's the one attacking us. He's the one coming at us. You see that, you know, in verse 12. You you see that in verse 11. You see that, again, as we've talked about even there in verse 16. I mean, you, you see that. And what we know about Satan is he, he's not—he doesn't fight fair. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's not interested in, you know, the the timeout. Listen, let me get ready. Can you hold on a firing those darts until I'm fully prepared? No, he's not doing that. Or he's—you know, I've left my helmet— you know, back at home today, can you just not go at that section? No, that's exactly where he's going to go. And so, if we don't bring our faith to whatever circumstance that we're in, we leave that shield behind. You know, Satan is not going to look and say, "Oh, he doesn't have his shield today," so I'm just I'm going to attack him in it. No, he he's going to go after that spot. And so that's why it's important to have everything foundationally ready to go all the time because that is what he's trying to do. He's looking, he's probing for the weak spots, mm-hmm. and we have to make sure there just aren't any.
0: Yeah, you made mention last week of uh, the temptation of Jesus while he was in the wilderness as Satan came to him in that moment, and, and Jesus used Scripture as in that battle that he engaged in there with Satan. And I look at this passage of Scripture, and we're given the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I think sometimes there can be a, a misapplication of this Scripture to think that we just need to go start pounding people over the head with the Bible until they believe it, because it's, it's the weapon that we have as a Christian. And I understand, I understand that to an extent. However, I think the way that Jesus used Scripture is a perfect illustration of what it means for the Word of God to be a sword, he used it against Satan, not not in some Bible-thumping way, but every, every temptation that Satan brought, Jesus countered with Scripture, and that allowed him to fight that battle with Satan and to be victorious. And I think the same should be true for us as well. It is a weapon in, when used in the right way, but it is incumbent upon us to make sure that we're using it appropriately. We have to wield this sword— um, with a great deal of care. It is powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the soul. It is it is truly powerful. And so with that power comes a great deal of responsibility to those who are going to wield it. And so we have to make sure that we're doing that responsibly, we're doing it appropriately. And I think the the way that Jesus used that when interacting with Satan there, is a good example for us today.
1: Yeah, I think we do ourselves a disservice when, you know, sometimes in the past we almost try to break out into categories these things. These things are defensive, and these things are offensive, right? These The shield is defensive, and the, the helmet is defensive, but here the sword is offensive. And when we break ourselves off into those categories, the temptation is to think that way instead of realizing, you know, Paul isn't breaking those things off. Right. This is one thing, one yeah. category. This is the whole armor, and you've got to have it all on. And I think maybe instead of thinking about these things are defensive, these things are offensive, You know, maybe just simply thinking that this is God equipping us to be in the fight. Yep. That's what he's letting us know. Listen, there's going to be a fight, and I'm going to equip you to be in the fight. And when we think about it just that way, yeah, I'm going to have to use my shield. I'm going to have to use my sword. I'm going to have to use my helmet, my shoes, my girdle, my breastplate. I'm going to have to use all of those things. Why? Because I'm in the fight. Mm -hmm. And and that ultimately is a a good reminder that it's war, and it can be scary if I'm not ready. And so God is making us ready.
0: Yeah, well, that's a good place to stop for today. I I know I'm looking forward to studying and and meditating on this topic over the next few months. Uh, Jeremy actually has a a sermon coming up Sunday morning that's going to connect to this theme. Uh, So if you have a chance, uh, take a listen to that if you want to continue this study But over the next several months, we'll actually have a handful of sermons that will be directly connected to this study. And so hopefully you can join us for those, or or certainly we'll, we'll put those up on the podcast feed as well so you can listen to those. So thanks again for studying with us, and we'll talk to you again next week.